Welcome to another episode of Racks and Reels, the hunting, fishing, outdoor show where we talk with real folks about their strategies, stories, and things we love about the outdoors. I'm your host, Mitch Gordon. Welcome to Racks and Reels, Minnesota. Hey folks, you're in for a heck of a good interview from Young Buck here coming up on the Racks and Reels podcast and uh, he's super technical and down to the ounces and weights of arrows to you know, making sure rod's straight. It's pretty dang cool to see a Young Buck really into it, really into the technical side of things. But a second line of business, I want to thank you guys for supporting the podcast. It's been a killer ride so far from the spring to the fall. It's only going to get better. And I want to know personally what you guys are waiting for. I want to know what your plan is for this season. I want to know what you're hunting. So drop me a message on the Facebook, on the Instagram. Let me know what you're hunting. Share a story with me. Um, I'd love to post it and share it with the world because everybody loves a good hunting and fishing story. So with that being said, uh, I'm getting ready for elk season. I leave in, man, only a few days after this podcast is out here, about five or six days after you listen to this one. So I'm really excited to get out back to Colorado and then come back for the whitetail season. So let me know your story. Let me know where you're hunting. And also we're looking for people to come on the podcast. Do you have a friend? Do you have somebody that trains dogs? Do you have somebody that loves trailing whitetail deer, loves coming on a hunt or providing a strategy for fishing this time of year? We want to hear from them. So it's pretty cool to have a lot of local people on this podcast. And that's one of the best feedbacks I've had yet. So therefore, there's enough of me. Let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to introduce Young Buck here on the Racks and Reels podcast. All right, boys and girls, we are back, the Racks and Reels podcast and radio show. And this week on the show, we have a local kid, young buck, we should call him. I'd say the youngest guy we've ever had on the show in all the episodes, uh, Colin Deering. He's from Annandale, Minnesota, and he's got a little rod company that's going to be huge someday. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Call it Colin Rodco, right? Colin Rodco? Colin's Rodco, yes. Colin's Rodco. It's C-O-L-I-N-S. R-O-D-C-O. Mm-hmm. No period? Uh, there's a period at that. There is a period at that. All right. See? That's why I asked those questions. Um, well, thanks for coming on the show, Colin. How you doing? Uh, pretty good. Yeah? Nervous? A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> I told him the first five minutes is awkward, and after that, it's just going to be like we're talking just like we were before when we were talking about bows and stuff hanging on the wall here yeah. in the studio, so... Oh, cool, man. Uh, let's get a background about you and kind of how you were brought up. I mean, I know you know your dad and whatnot, and, and talked to him and hunted, you know, and showed pictures and information all the time. If you met up at the bar or saw him out in public somewhere, it was always a conversation, and then started following you and whatnot and seeing your stuff on social media. So it's pretty cool to see the generation, you know, just keep getting passed on and on and on. And so I guess, how did it start for you? Uh, I guess when I was little... Uh, my dad used to just do whatever with me, go turkey hunting or go shed hunting a lot. We went shed hunting a lot. Um, fishing, ice fishing, more than, more than open water. But, um, then we started shooting bow and I got more into that. And then, I don't know, I started goose hunting when we moved, uh, right next to the lake. I'd see geese flying over. So I went in the cornfield behind our house and started shooting geese and, I don't know, I've just always loved the outdoors. Yeah. What, what what do you get what do you get most from it? I mean just the feeling of doing adrenaline. It on adrenaline, yeah. Just yeah. doing it on your own. Yeah. Say I, like I like doing stuff by myself. I he does all of his stuff, I do all of my stuff. Yeah. So And uh who's got better snacks 
pact. Anybody? Uh, probably him. Probably I don't know. I forget <laughs> to pack stuff. He'll, rush. he'll learn that the coffee's real good in the, in the future, right? Oh, boy. Well, that's cool, man. Um, so, I mean, w- when I see it, like, my dad took me squirrel hunting. That's how I got it. You know, we'd get, you know, he picked me up from school on a, you know, on a fall day, and we'd go squirrel hunting, you know, and taught me how to clean the squirrel, and how me how to, you know, cook it and whatnot. And when I look at, you know, watching you grow up and the different things that, you know, you brought to the table, like, you say, hey, we moved to this place, and it had a lake nearby, and I saw geese, and I was like, okay, let's learn how to hunt geese, right? So you kind of just... How'd you, how'd you start doing that? Because, I mean, it seems like all the all the younger kids, they, you know, if they do deer hunt, everybody kind of deer hunts, everybody kind of does everything else. But, like, when it comes to, you know, the bird hunting, it seems like all the, you know, high school kids, they do a lot of bird hunting. At least that's what everybody did in my generation as far as that goes, too. So you kind of just learned how to do it, or did you have somebody uh, show you kind of the ropes? Or Some of my buddies, they, they were big bird hunters. I always bow hunted because that's what my dad did. So I started going out with them, and then I... I don't know. I watched a lot of YouTube. Yeah. I learned a lot of stuff off of YouTube, and then I learned how to blow a goose call, and then I kind of learned from just being out there, like, don't do that, or they yeah. like they like that. So I just when I whenever I hunted, I kind of take notes in my head to, on what to do, and then I started killing birds and went from there. Yeah, that's great, man. That's cool. I mean, it's cool. I just figured out how to do it. I mean, just like whitetail hunting. You know, my dad was. The, the typical guy that just put put on your orange, took a shotgun out, and went shotgun hunting. And now, you know, I figured out what works, what doesn't. You know, if it's rattling or grunting or whatever works. So, well, cool, man. Um, I, I really want to get into all the other stuff you do, but I really want to talk about your rod company, I guess. Um, I've had different people that, you know, David Goose, obviously, you know him. And he's, you know, created these, you know, uh, this brand and whatnot of, of calling everyday waterfowler and whatnot or year-round waterfowler I should yep, say and uh, it's it's cool to see people have their own direction and not not but a rod a fishing rod so tell me about your fishing rod product as far as like w- like in a gist without telling me how to make it like what is it like ice fishing rod it is an ice fishing Kay. rod um I anywhere from panfish which is your super your noodle rod that has a really light tip okay all the way up to lake trout which is a big stiff rod 48 inches long the whole nine yards rod reel seat you need a big reel sure a lot of, it's a lot of big fish so you gotta have a big rod yeah um i started building him because i went on the internet one day to start to buy some nicer rods that i of what i had and I looked at the prices. I was like, "Wow, those are expensive." Then I found a website, and there was like all the stuff on there to do it, and it was like insanely cheap. And then I started, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa this is kind of a little bit harder than I thought it would be." But then after this first year, my rods—I didn't really sell any the first year because I wanted to try them out. And then the second year, I found some different companies. A guy in Minnesota who makes rod blanks. He's out of Bloomington. Um, I talked with him a lot on Facebook, and he started sending me rod blanks, and I don't know, I picked the ones that I like, and I, I would buy those, and then you take, it's like sewing thread. Okay. But it's not sewing, it's just similar to it, and you can choose your different colors, and then you take, and you spin the rod, and your little rod guides, they're mine, the ones that I use, you can get recoil guides that snap back if you break them, or whatever it is. I use the little wire ones, because those are really durable, and you just, you spin the rod, and it and it wraps it on there. So you're talking about like the actual rod, like what's out front of the reel, not the cork part. No, nope. the actual the, rod, the the blank itself. So you're talking about a blank. You're talking about you just get a, a 
thin rod, yep. no eye holes, carbon nothing. blank, nothing on it. It's, it's a okay. black. It's a stick essentially. So you so let's back it up. So when you first started doing that, you did some research on it. So it was totally you that thought, "Whoa, I don't want to pay this money. I want to build a, like how how can I buy my own?" And because how old are you? I'm 15. You're 15. That's a cool thing because right now you're like, okay, I mean, I remember me when I was 15. I was itching like I was you know having a job here, had a job there. I was trying to save all my money. And you know, purchase things, and that's you know. But when you work for your money and you work hard, it's like I don't want to spend all that money on just one rod. So, how did you get like? So you went and researched and found rod blanks. Uh, it's it's a website that they have everything. Okay. You could you could start a business on there. Okay. So I found that, and then they have a YouTube page, and I watched a lot of their videos on just open water rods, ice fishing rods, whatever it is, and then. You can pretty much find anything on YouTube, so right. I watched a lot of videos, and then I found the starter kit with the ice rod blanks, and I got that, and then I eventually kept upgrading, and I got a power wrapper, which you have a foot pedal, and it spins the rod super fast, so you can wrap them faster. So you're talking about wrapping them? Like wrapping them with the thread, the guides. Okay. So, uh, the, so the guides are the... You know, the, it's the little the, eyelets. Yep. The eyelets, okay. you have to put those on there, and right. then you have to epoxy them, and you have to make your handles. Yep. So you get uh, half-inch cork rings that are, it's pretty much a wine wine top. Okay. And you have to sand them down and make your different shapes and cut them. And okay. It's, I mean, there are these things that I don't know the technical word for. I mean, everybody just buys a rod, and you're like, oh, it's a nice light-action rod. You know, yeah, like nobody knows With the, the handle and all that. Yeah, yep. And those are kind of just... Like, if you bought a bow and you just went into Capella's and you just picked the bow up off the shelf and you didn't check your draw length or anything. Sure. Because everybody needs different rods, like, depending yeah. on how you fish. Yeah. Everyone needs different bows with their draw length and whatever, whether you're going to fish in a house or you're going to fish outside or you're going to be fishing for walleyes or panfish or yep. lake trout. You can't just take a little flimsy twig and go fish for lake trout. You're going to need a stiffer rod. So I kind of, I figured that out after a while. I I ordered different blanks. I did different things to them to make them better than your cookie cutter rod off the shelf. So two things. So first of all, I, I can agree with you on like even using sunfish rods, um, for instance. Like, you know, my dad can catch sunfish like no other. And even if they're biting right over the side of the boat, like when you find them, he'll catch 40 of them, you'll catch 20. It's just the way it is. But like we were fishing this spring and he had this stiffer rod at the end of it it was actually busted off <laughs> and he could feel them he could catch them and i had my lightweight one and i couldn't i couldn't feel the the just the little tap or whatnot of whatnot and he it was like i switched poles and no no kidding you know i could do that so when you say you know your different fishing tactics not for just different species of fish but the like, different biting of fish whether you're going to be whether the fish are very pressured and they're just going to grab the jig and not do anything with it or they're yeah. going to pick it up and swim away and you can feel that. Right. So if they're going to pick it up and swim away, you can get away with a stiffer rod because you're going to be able to feel that bite. But if they're just picking it up, you want a super thin tip so you can see that line, that rod tip move a right. little bit. And it seems like you pay a little bit extra for them lightweight ones because I probably, you know, making them is probably... Because oh, they're flimsy. You yeah. can't keep tension on them. Right. So when you're saying though the the different rods and whatnot and everybody's a different length and all that stuff like that, so are you talking about 
say the different length in just the rod or maybe the handle or the position of the reel i guess what what do you i mean you don't do the reels right you no, just, i do right, i don't do, do the rods. it's you can choose what kind of grip you want whether you want a two-part grip or a full grip and how long your grip is because if you got big hands and you have a small grip that's a problem sure so whether you want a six inch grip a nine inch grip whatever it is yeah. you can pick how many eyelets you want on it if you're going to be fishing outside you don't want as many because then they freeze up sure and you want bigger ones but if you're fishing in the house then you can get the smaller ones that you can feel the bites better and length of rod if you're going to fish outside you want a longer rod because you're standing up so you can get your line closer to the hole sure but if you're fishing in the house you don't want that big long rod because then you got to maneuver it and watch out for other people and you gotta, yeah. you're sitting <laughs> close to the hole right so and I don't think I've ever been in a fish house where the hole isn't right next to you anyway. Yeah, that's why you want a little 24-inch yeah. rod sitting there so it's yeah. right over the hole. Sure. So you just have to customize that rod as far as yep. the bend of it so it's not at the end. It's the whole thing. Yep. You can feel it through there. Okay. So you got started. You got, you know, you made some calls. You got in touch with people and you found a company and whatnot. So you ordered the rods and you and you started. What, when you first got your first rod, what were you, what, what were you going through your head? Where's the video on YouTube? Yeah, I, it, I actually screwed up. I put the wrong, I put the wrong. There's, there's two types of two-part epoxy. One's for the guides that's really shiny. Okay. One's for the handle that's super strong and won't make the handle. <laughs> I put the stuff for the guides inside the handle, so I had to order new stuff to finish the rod. Okay. So that was that was my. So you probably, probably could have bought a, just a one-piece rod at the local sports shop. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you, so you started making the rod, and then you went down the avenue of not just making the rod, but then you, what do you do for grip? You order the grip, too? Uh, some of them I order, some of them I make. Okay. The the ones that, like, they're softer, and they, you know what a wind grip is? It's like a rubberized material. Sure. Like a golf club grip. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I have to order, but the cork stuff, I can build, gluing them together with wood glue and sanding them down with your different grit sandpaper and making them smooth and how they how they bend like in, if it's not straight or yep. if it's you want a curve in it or you want a cutout or really yep cool so i i build those you glue them together put them in a clamp then you put them on the rod and you sand them so you buy cork uh yeah they're called cork rings okay they have a little inside cutout and then they have an outside diameter of either a half inch most of them are one and a quarter inches, but that's too wide, so you got to sand them down and make them comfortable for your hand. Just, just, just some sandpaper. Yep. Well, you put it on, on a like, you put it in a drill pretty much, and you pull the trigger so it spins. Oh yeah, and yeah. And you just hold it to it, and you yeah. keep going, and then you hold it in one spot if you want that spot to be low or high or whatever you want. You what kind of bend you want? In sure. It. Yep. So when you're making your rods, first of all, how many rods do you have? Like, how many different options if somebody was going to go buy a rod from you? <laughs> On my website, I think 21 different options. 21. That's colors and actions yep. and handles. But if you contact me on Facebook, anything you want. If you want a Vikings logo on there, I can put a Vikings. Really? If you want your name on there, I can do that. If you want different color threads, I can do that. If you want a different color rod blank, I can so do that. So total customization. Yep. If you want a purple rod blank and a green handle, I can do that. Yeah? That doesn't make, make sense in Minnesota, does it? No. <laughs> do you, are, you, are you a believer in the Vikings? I wouldn't say a believer. I watch them. Okay. But would, would you rather, I never hope too much. Would you rather hunt or go watch the Vikings? 
I'd rather hunt and have the good. guys in the good answer. tell me the update. Good answer. That's right. That's right. That's a, I, I don't think... I, I always tell people I watch it if it's on. I do like watching it, but uh, if I can be in the deer stand or the blind or whatnot, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there. So... All right, man. Well, cool. We got a good start going on. If you just joined in the show, we got Colin Deering on the show. He's from Annandale, Minnesota, and Collins Rod Co. With a period, right? With a period? Yep, at the All end. Right. So it's CollinsRodCo.com? Uh, I had a website, but I, I'm making a new one. Where can you go on? Sweet. On Shopify. Sweet. Sweet. So where... where, where My Facebook page. Facebook page right now. And then yep. how long... Rodco. How long was Collins Rocco? Yep, on Facebook. Facebook. Okay, and then they can message you on there, which is yep, personal message. Yeah, whatever you need. Would sure. you comment on a post, whatever it is. Yeah, sounds good. Well, and then the website. Uh, how long for that gets here? You having an ETA, or are you still working on it? I'm working on it myself. Yeah. It's websites I don't are know, tough. I man. want it to be perfect. I but, don't want it to yeah. have any arrows in it. That's yes, absolutely. Websites are tough. That's why. I, I've, I've I've tried to design a couple of my own, and I just I, don't know, I get to the point where I get frustrated, and time time's money at that point. But uh, you'll get it. You'll yeah, get it it'll all. probably be here early to late fall. Okay, before ice season. Okay, so that that's what you're kind of gearing up towards yep. is ice season. I mean, that's kind of your your niche. You don't make any summer rounds. Right? Uh, I can, but I I you choose don't. not to. Yeah, you specialize in. That's probably yep. a good thing. You just specialize in one to to make it right. You know, it's like it's like for me shooting my bow. You know, people ask, even some people that I know that take their bow out of the case a week before the season, you know, they're like, why do you shoot all year round? Like, you literally shoot in your basement at 12 yards. It, like, does you nothing. And I'm like, no, like, I want to perfect my shot. Because on a 180-inch deer walk, yeah. like you don't want to yeah. screw up. Well, that's cool that you take the passion in finding, you know, your, your niche for those rods. And you spent the time. And so you have any rod from Sunfish Rod? Yep, super ultralight to okay. extra heavy. So, which is the stiffness of it? Okay, so are you just making the light like so? You got your super light, right? Super ultralight, ultralight. Then, then what's you next? Have an ultralight. Okay. Then you have a light action. Then okay. you have a medium light action. Okay. Then you have a medium action. Okay. Medium heavy action. Yep. A heavy action, and then an extra heavy and a dead stick. And a dead stick. Yep, which is a bobber rod, pretty much, but you don't need a bobber. Right. So that's nine. Nine, Nine different, different weights. Yep. Okay. Is that what you call it? Weights? Uh, stiffness, blank. Yeah, weights. Okay. Depend, all personal preference. And then do you run usually like if someone is just going to jump on you know your Facebook page and say, okay, I want you know this ultra rod. Does it come basically kind of a standard grip that you have uh, that you put them on all, uh, all different? It can be pretty much different. I have a whole bunch of different ones that I already have built and that. But a standard grip would pretty much either be a solid six-inch cork grip or a split grip cork grip. Okay. Cork is pretty much standard. Standard. And it's the rod just slips in top of it, or do you have the couplers? Uh, I have couplers. Okay. On, they're called rubberized uh, winding checks, so winding they don't checks. get the, so it looks clean and doesn't get any moisture underneath there. Okay. All right. All right. Sounds good, man. Well. Uh, Maybe I kind of want to get to before we take the break of the show. I kind of want to get to like, okay, from like step one to finish product on like the steps of it and the time it takes to make one. I mean, the way you're talking, it's not like it's going through a machine and you're pumping them out. It's all 100% hand work, right? Yep. And I mean, even if you're, I'm not saying hand work by just using your hands, but like using a drill and, you know, the, yep. the different devices. So, like, when you buy the rod, 
You get the rod. You get the the eye. I buy eye everything. Sort. I order a rod blank. Kay. I order thread. I order eyelets, and then well, if you want a custom grip, I'll make that. But if if you have a like, just a standard grip, I'll order that too. Yep. And then I mean I'll, the th- the thread and stuff you you can use over and yeah. over, right? You get a bigger bulk yeah. of it. Okay. But sometimes if someone wants a different color, I order that. Yeah. And then I get my rod. I get everything in the mail. I take it. I I have certain drawers for everything. I like everything really organized. (laughs) And then I take the rod blank and I wipe it down with rubbing alcohol just to make sure there's no extra carbon on it or whatever so that something goes wrong. And then I look over it and make sure there's no cracks or any inconsistencies in the rod blank. And then I spine test it to see where the back of it is, the back of the spine, because you always want that facing up. So the back of the spine. How, how do you? I don't. I, you put I mean, it. Most people have no idea. You know. Explain to me. So you put. It's it, great. I, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm awesome, man. I, I'm so excited. Little jig, and you put two ounces of weight on there, and you roll it, and wherever you know when you. I don't know if anyone's ever built arrows, but when you check the spine, that there's a certain point. It's pretty much where they stop wrapping the carbon on the blank. Okay. And if that's not up, your rod will bend in different directions every time. Okay. So it's not consistent. Okay, now I understand. <laughs> so it's like the stiffest part of the rod, you want that up. Yeah, okay. And then I'll take it, I'll put the grip on it with a two-part epoxy, or if I haven't, I'll glue the grip together if it's a custom grip, and then I'll take that, glue it on the rod, sand it all down, and then I'll wipe it off with rubbing alcohol again to make sure there's nothing on it. So the first thing you do is install the grip after you yep, inspect the rod. That's what you need to have it spin. There's the, You put it in a... It's a little rotating RPM jig with a foot pedal. Okay. And that clamps onto the grip. Okay. So this is still day one of yep. building a rod. This is an hour in. Okay. And Next. then <laughs> you... Next! You lay out all the guides, uh, whether they're how many inches apart they are and where they are, depending on what kind of rod you have and the length of it. And then you you start wrapping the first one, and then you go to the second one, and then you get to the third one, and that one's hard. So you're spinning. So now, first one is up by the grip. Yep, that's okay. the closest one to the grip. So you're spin. You're putting the the grip in the device. You're spinning it with your foot pedal. Yep, that's called and, your stripper guide. Okay, and then you're and you're putting the. Um, Thread. Thread around around the the grip. Okay. Around the grip. No, around the eyelet, but you do put some in between the grips if it's a split grip. Yeah. And then you go to the third guy, and that one's hard because the rod gets flimsier down there, and you got to keep tension on the thread, else your eyelets are just going to fall off. Sure. So then after about the third guy, it gets quite a bit harder, and then you move to the fourth guy, and each guy takes a little bit longer because you have to keep tension on the thread, but your rod's flexing and your jig... And then once I get done with that, I'll put the hook keeper on the bottom. I'll wrap yeah. that on there. And then I'll let it sit for a little bit just to make sure that this thread doesn't stretch or the knots come untied because if that comes undone without with the epoxy on, you have to rip that guide off. So pause. When you put the thread on, you said you put it in a knot to tie, the, tie it on? Uh, it's a little... It's, it's like when you take an extension cord, wrap it up, and then put it back through what you just wrapped up. Okay. Kind of dissimple. So, yep. I I put a little loop in there. I wrap over that, and then I put the thread through the loop, yep. and I pull it back to the old thread. Okay. And it's got to be tight underneath there, else it'll just pull out. Yeah. So I 
after I do that, I leave it sit for probably an hour or so just to make sure that nothing comes loose or the thread doesn't stretch. And I go back, I mix my two-part epoxy. Okay. Um, so this is two hours in? Probably more like five or six okay. hours in. So day one if you uh, like to do it all night. I don't, I, I don't do it all night. I take <laughs> breaks. This is one rod, though? Yep, one rod. One, and you only do one at a time? Yeah. Usually. Well, I built... If I have a if I have a whole bunch of rods, I put all the grips on at once. Okay. I lay out all the guides at once. I wrap them and then I epoxy them all at once. Okay. So five hours in. To that rod. <laughs> yeah. To that rod. To that single rod. I put the epoxy on each guide. Okay. And then that's got a, it has a eight eight RPMs per hour. Okay. It spins so that none of the or eight RPMs per minute, rotations per minute. Okay. It spins so that none of the epoxy balls up anywhere. It, okay. It drips off, and it's all, all clean and looks good. And then I that has to dry for 24 hours spinning. So you you got it still in the holder, and you just go from the top and drop that epoxy. Paint it on there. Paint it. It's like a it's a liquid, and then you take your little paintbrush and you paint it on the, uh, the thread that you've just wrapped around the guide. So just that guy. I don't know how the guide though. Yep. Okay. You do all the guides and then you let it sit for 24 hours. Okay. Then you go back and you do one more of that. Okay. The same exact thing. And then you take an alcohol, you el- you take an alcohol burning flame so it's clean that there's no, it's not putting off any smoke. Okay. And you, you take it and you run it underneath each guide to make sure all the epoxy drips off so that Ooh. it's not so it doesn't ball up anywhere because if it balls up the second time then it's a big problem okay and then you why is that, it big pro- it won't be balanced then no it just it, when it's globbed up somewhere it doesn't look good and then you have to cut all the epoxy off and that takes a while right and then that dries for 24 more hours and i'll take it i'll wipe it down with rubbing alcohol one more time and if i'm shipping it somewhere i'll ship it and then if i'm if someone's coming to pick it up i set it aside so it's probably a three-day project if you if you kept at it four-day project uh probably about eight hours to get everything ready and then two days to dry two days to dry wow cool that's so awesome it's killer like and you just went down the avenue 100 yeah. percent yourself yeah i mean as far as finding information how to do it youtube what what'd your first one look like Mm, not pretty. <laughs> not pretty. You, I didn't even use it. You didn't even, I was going to say, did you use <laughs> I it? I put it on the shelf. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, cool, man. Uh, hey, we're uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to keep talking about your rod company a little bit more, and then we're going to get into it maybe as an individual and whatnot and see what kind of plans you have for the fall. But, uh, man, I'm going to – I'm I'm really interested when you're going to ask answer this question. We're going to do Song of the Week, and – Lately, like when I first started this whole thing, I was picking all the songs of the week, and I'm like, man, I'm running out of songs to pick. Some people might not like my genre, so like maybe you could pick a song of the week. You got anything off you've been jamming to? Uh, Hell with it, Mitch Gordon. Oh yeah, we were listening to that today. <laughs> I was work. waiting for that. That's the first one I recommended my song. I like it. Sounds good. We'll be right back on the Racks and Reels podcast. Hey everybody, hope you're enjoying the show. If you'd like to be a part of this radio show and podcast with a support sponsorship program. Please shoot us an email at racksandreelsmn at hotmail.com or message us in one of the social media platforms. Now back to it.
to get home I'm two hours late She's calling my phone And this time she really might Put me in the ground But I just can't turn down Another round Oh hell with me I'm all in And if you don't play Then you can't win Oh hell with me Give it a try I never been one to let a good time Pass me by Table, I really should fold, but I'm not able. There's a big old pot of money to be earned. A little lady looking the queen to turn all hell with. I'm all in. And if you don't play, then you can't win. All hell with. Let's give it a try. I've never been one to let a good time. church on Sunday not sure where I stand but I think I may be on to something I really might need it can't be bad for sinner like me oh hell with me. I'm all in and if you don't play then you can't win oh hell with me. let's give it a try I've never been one to miss a good time If you don't play, then you can't win. All hell with give it a try. I've never been one to let a good time pass me by. Heck yeah, that's a good song of the week right there. I'm glad you picked that one. That's the first one anybody's ever requested. It's like, hey, I'm right here. Nobody <laughs> see me. Nobody see me. Uh, let's get back into it. Collins Rod Co. with period. Ladies and gentlemen, Colin Deering here. And uh, this kid kind of does all around hunting, fishing, you name it. I mean, except pheasant hunting. We, we, we just <laughs> chatted about that. You don't do that much at all. But um, I kind of want to get into, to cap the rod company conversation off. So you built this rod and right away you kind of thought, okay, I'm just going to build this rod and see if I can do it, right? Yeah. And then what happened after that? I bought some more stuff okay. and I built one and I used it a lot. And I had another custom rod that I had bought or I got for Christmas. And honestly, I use mine more than that, not because I built it, because I just liked it better, because it was tailored to me. Okay. And it worked. It, it worked You caught fish off it. So you're like, my next step was like, oh, maybe I can... Improve it. Maybe I can improve it. See what I can do. And you wanted to improve it and perfect it until you I, sold one. Yep. But you probably gave them to people and had them use them, right? Uh, yeah, I gave dad, my dad and my little brother, yeah. some of my buddies, took the first ones that I built and used them. You kind of got their take feedback. on it. And what was the feedback? Uh, the first couple ones I needed to improve on some of the guides and wrapping them tighter because they'd fall off. And then 
whatever handles or whatever, and then I gave, let them use some of the ones that I had built after I improved all that stuff, and they really liked them. Sure. I mean, feedback's such a tough thing. I mean, for anybody in a business, it's it's a tough pill to swallow if somebody says, hey, this did, this fell apart, or this I don't like this feature. But it's also things that you have to have. I mean, just by you testing it, I mean, it's such a small percentage of what is actually going on in the rod. So that's pretty cool that you did that. So then you, then you got a, uh, enough courage to put them for sale. Yeah. What was that, what did that feel like? Um, the first one that I sold was to one of my dad's buddies. And okay. he went out that weekend and he caught a whole bunch of smallmouth on it and he bought another one. No kidding. Yeah. Cool feeling. Mm-hmm. Were, were, were you pretty, uh, pretty pumped on that or were you kind of like, man, that's cool, but... Yeah, I was pretty pumped. I okay. mean, he has a lot of other rods and for him to buy another one of mine was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, probably next to some big name rods. Yeah. As far as that goes too. I mean, for me... I, I think, you know, the success of watching you, you know, over, because what was that, a couple year time span? Uh, a winter. A winter. So, I mean, there's nothing to do in the winter anyway besides fish. Yeah. <laughs> and so for me to see you take it from, you know, just buying this product to, you know, getting it to friends, now selling a rod, you have this major success in six months, right? Four months. Uh, you know, whatever it is, till March, okay. November to March. November to March. So you had this huge success, and for me, is if I get that success, I'm kind of like, okay, cool, I got this. What's next? Is that what you kind of like? Or yeah. you, I mean, you're proud of it. Yeah. But you kind of wanted like, okay, now now what's the next step and how I can how improve? Can I, yeah. What can I do? Right now, you got nine rods out. Eight, eight or nine. Give or take. Give or take nine rods. Different weight or different action, as you yeah. would say. So, cool, man. Well, so what's next? What are you, you going to do next? Uh, for sure, a website. Okay. I'd like to do a lot more social media. I haven't really done that much because I, I don't fish as much as I used to now that I'm building these things. I still get out and fish a lot, but when I do, I don't take any pictures or anything I, unless I catch a nice fish. But even then, it's just you take this picture I'm gonna let this one go yeah and I'm not I haven't really been marketing it too much sure so I want to do that a lot more um maybe film some videos to post on Instagram of just different different features of the rods yeah uh I don't know maybe a pro staff in the future to see what I can do yeah. with that well, I mean, it's it take it takes time to build a product, and you know, just for building this podcast, it, it it's taken a lot of time for where it's at right now. And you know, the music thing for me is I've been at the music thing since I was your age. You know, so if you think about that, I mean, I'm old compared to you, but <laughs> uh, but what I'm getting at is like, you know, yeah, you want to create this website and whatnot, but reality is a Facebook thing and the, and the social media. It's pretty much a website without the you know certification yep. title, so people can still go on there and get these rods from you. Oh, but for sure, you want to be like. It seems like you got like you're filling the gas tank right now. You keep filling it, you keep filling it. You're never driving anywhere, and then like when you decide to release all that, it's just gonna go boom because you're gonna be so prepared for it. The yes. way it sounds, right? I want, I want to be perfect. I don't want to have some random yeah. customer from another state say, "Hey, this rod's junk. I need a refund." Right. Right, because you're because you're gonna probably have a couple of that those. that person. I mean, it, it is what it is. You can't please everybody. It, it doesn't matter if you're making toothbrush or or hockey pucks. You know, it's like you're gonna have somebody that's not gonna like your product, and 
that's just the the hate of being a, a business owner, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, it, so I hope, man, I really hope it goes well for you and, and keep on it. And, and I think you'll you'll see a huge support from the local community, local fishing, you know, local bait stores, hopefully give you a really good shot at, you know, giving the opportunity to put your rods in there and put them yep. up for sale. So, cool, man. What, what, do, uh, what are your retail numbers as far as... What are you selling them for? Uh, anywhere from $75 to $125. Okay, cool. So ship them out. You can ship them right to your house. Yep. You can hand deliver them, or they can come pick them yep. up. Whatever works. Whatever, whatever we got to do. Awesome. So repeat the brand name for everybody. Collins Rodco, and then there's a period at the end of the yeah. code. You got to get that period. <laughs> Facebook, right? Uh, Facebook, Instagram. Okay. Uh, that's pretty much it. Okay. Cool, man. Facebook and Instagram. So I think Instagram is such a big trend right now, and Facebook's always a staple, and it's always been my staple, but the Instagram thing's really... The algorithms and everything on Instagram is such you're a... You're either famous or you're not. I know. I know. It's like, yeah, you release these videos, and it's like, man, this is going to be so good, and then you look at it, and you're like, I have this many followers and only reach 20% of them. Why? You know? But in the next video that you snap of your building a rod and it's oh look at this and you get 5,000 likes somehow right Right. don't even have that many followers no no clue right yeah no clue well I think I think with what you're saying you don't do the stuff yet you don't you know do a whole lot of that I do a ton of social media and it's a headache I I mean I can't say like I super enjoy it there's a lot of posts that I really do enjoy but it's like oh yeah I gotta make this post on Facebook social media Instagram and like gotta put the links on them and like attach it here and copy and paste and it's just it's just staying consistent on that and just because you're not getting the likes or the hearts on the Instagram I wish they changed the hearts on the Instagram I really wish they would but uh just because you're not getting them likes and the people who press the button doesn't mean people's not seeing yeah. what you're putting out there. When I put a video out and yeah, say it reaches five thousand people, I mean, how many people actually slowed down and watched it, or mm-hmm. did it play for th- three seconds, or did all those five thousand people watch it? Did it catch their attention enough? I think the short to the point, like for me, of what we just talked about, as far as you putting that rod together from. You know, day one to day five is so cool. And I think people would love to see that process to be like, this kid's doing all this stuff, perfecting it. Like, show you balancing that rod and, and finding the, the top of it. You know, what did you say? The top spine. The spine of it. You know, show people that. Because, what I mean, my dad's fished all his life. He doesn't, he just goes in and plays with the rod. Yep, oh, this one's good. And most of the time, his rods are busted off and he still catches more fish than me. <laughs> but... You know, that were the things that I think people love to see the back end side of it. People like to say the back end story of my music, me doing wheel bearings on my trailer, even though that's not a fun job to do at all. But people like to see that. So cool. Well, go go check it out. Go you know give them a like, give them some support, and maybe have you know call and build your rod. Maybe yep. put, maybe put that Viking symbol on there. <laughs> uh, I won't do a Packers symbol. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're against that. Yeah. Any other sports they like to watch? Um, Major League Fishing. Major League Fishing. That's a yeah. sport to me. Awesome, man. Well, hey, let's uh, let's let's shift out of the Collins Rodco with period, and uh, let's talk about just your hunting and fishing. So, what do you look forward to most, like hunting or fishing? Uh in the spring, it's 
fishing and in the fall it's hunting. So it's a year-round thing. Yeah. And it's kind of like, okay, it's baseball season, now it's hockey season, now yeah. it kind of keeps keeps going. So out of all of them, though, what's number one? Probably bass fishing. I, bass I fishing? I love bass fishing. Really? Yeah, I, I just fished the state tournament uh, Sunday on Mille Lacs. You did? Yeah. How'd you do? Not very good. No? It was a tough bite. Who'd you fish it with? Uh, uh, one of my buddies, Blake Schneider. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We didn't do too hot. We only caught three fish. On Mille Lacs. Yeah. That's a big lake. Yeah, it's a lot of water. So what's what's a good, you know, quantity of fish to catch on that tournament? I don't know. It was a lot of people had. It was either you had a tough tournament or you caught a really nice bag of fish. So okay. the the winning bag was I think thirty one pounds for seven fish. No kid. So what is that? A five pound average almost. So you're trying to get the biggest fish. Uh, seven of the biggest bass you can possibly catch. No kid. Largemouth. Uh, up on Mille Lacs, it's smallmouth, but like. Okay. We fished Leech Lake tournament. That's largemouth. It just depends where you're fishing. Yeah. Well, there's good days and bad days. Yep. Right? On the Leech Lake tournament, we took, I think, 14th out of uh, 180 guys. No kidding. Yeah. So what what are you using? Uh, it depends the lake. On okay. Lax, we threw a drop shot, okay. which is a little worm with a weight below it. And then on Leech, we were throwing frogs and craws and whatever we could get them to bite on. Really? Okay. Yep. Sounds good, man. Well, um, so what's number two? Goose hunting. Goose hunting. So that's coming up. Yeah. Are you getting ready to get blind? Uh, yeah, I've been practicing the goose call quite a bit lately. Okay. That's a big thing, um, right? Yeah. Calling them. I love blowing the goose call. So every time I went goose hunting, it's been with guys that live and breathe it, probably like you, and... They want me for their limits, and uh, <laughs> I'll just show up, drink coffee, and they're just telling me when to get up and say kill them. It's, yep. it's, it's pretty awesome for me. I mean, I'm sure it's awesome for them, too, because they got another guy, you know? But, yep. um So what, what do you mean, like, you know, calling? I mean, it's like, what are you looking uh, for on that? Different notes, different whatever, trying to make you sound like a goose, pretty okay. much. Um, the hard notes... Speeding it up, slowing it down, trying to do what the geese want to hear. Sure. Trying to get them to come to you. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So what are you doing right now for preparation for goose season? Um, do you have stuff all over your like room like I did before you guys came in? No, my room's really organized. Uh, I see. <laughs> my quarters uh, are stacked on my nightstand. Quarters are stacked on your nightstand. Yeah. What would be, what would it be like to have all that time? I, I, I don't. I really I just, when I set them down, when I empty my pockets before I go take a shower, I set them there. I'm very much like you, man. I got to do everything and everything to keep everything in line. Even if I get home and it's two in the morning, I gotta like make sure my stuff put away. Uh, I have a little section of the garage that I took over, and I got all my stuff. I took over. <laughs> Push dad's stuff out of the way. Yeah, pretty nice. much. Did you put it in a pile or organize this stuff? No, I just pushed it behind mine. <laughs> Oh boy! So what else are you doing besides preparation for it? Um, getting your gear ready. Buying decoys. Buying decoys. Is that something you buy every year? Buy more decoys. Uh, this year I I bought qu- quite a few. Uh, it, before the years passed. Uh, buying different camo bags, blinds, whatever you need. Sure. Shells. Yeah. Just what? Get, getting just ready. getting ready. Pretty any, much. Any fields you got pinned down that you're gonna hunt? Or is it too early yet to? Uh, we've got. Going? permission on quite a few fields we just trying to see where the geese are the week of they're doing a couple days yeah before. 
everyone's been driving around scouting whether they pick me up or they're doing it after work. That's great. So you scout them at night, during the day, uh, morning? Morning, noon, and night. Okay. Best of luck in the morning, though. Yeah. Or Well, it depends what where you're hunting. Sure. So sun, sun comes up about that time, you'll be able to see about, what, 6.30? Yep. In the morning? So what time are you out? Uh, up at 4, probably out in the field at 5 to set up decoys for an hour. Just ready to go. 100%. Wide-eyed, wide-eyed man. Mm-hmm. Giving her, giving her. So besides the, the goose hunting, I mean, which I don't know a whole lot about, and I've had a lot of guys on the show about goose hunting, and we got more guys lined up for goose hunting, but uh, the thing I really love is the bow and arrow, and you were talking to me about you saw my new fletchings and whatnot, mm-hmm. and this morning how I shot my broadheads, and I decided to not shoot them at different spots, and I Robin Hood one, you know, it was my <laughs> luck, so, but you said you fletch your arrows and stuff? Yeah. So uh, let, let me, let's just explain your setup then. For what my you bow or my, yeah. my bow, you just I got have a new shiny toy, right? A Matthews VXR twenty eight. Jeez, the rod company must be really good. <laughs> um, and then I have a Excel AccuTouch Carbon Pro Sight, which is a one pin slider. Yeah. Then I have it's called an Ultra View Scope. It's okay. a new company to archery, and it's it's new technology, and I have that on there. Sure. And then I got a Ultra View Grip as well, and then. I have a 12-inch front stabilizer that's 8-degree down angle with 2 ounces on the front. And then I have a 7-inch back bar with, I think, 8 ounces on it now. Okay. And then I don't have a quiver on my bow. Is that the, the 365 brand? No, that's Shrewd Stabilizers. Okay. So did you... Did, so you... I want to talk about stabilizers. First of all, I love the one pin. I'm a huge one pin fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people give me kind of crap about going out west with a one pin and whatnot, but I don't like the clutter. You can't use the Garmin stuff out west for the most part, you know, and whatnot. So it's like you just kind of kind of know and do your homework on the one pin where you're going to shoot from. Like mine's at 30 pretty much 100% of the time or wherever the area is. If I'm in a tree stand, it's easy. Like my majority of shots are 30 yards. So like I'm going to set it at 30, but I know exactly where to put that pin at 30 yards. If the deer's at 20 and I know exactly if it, where to put it at 40, you know, if the deer's at 40. So I think the one pin's pretty cool, but like my cousin runs a five pin. Uh, That's what I used to shoot. Yeah. And it's super cool too. Cause like you can drop that sucker all the way down. Like I was shooting archery country, uh, the bow shoot last week. Yeah. The way my bow's set up right now, the sight only goes to 85. Well, the 100 yard, I had to put it six inches above the back, and I figured, oh, well, that's pretty much on. So it's it's kind of nice. In reality, you're not going to take a 100 yard shot anyway in an animal, unless it, you know, it is a follow up shot on an elk or something like that. You know, you're not putting another one in them. So, but I want to talk about, or you got some? Nothing. No? Uh, all right. I want to talk about the stabilizers because last year I really played with my stabilizers. I think I went from a, I think that's a, Three six five eight inch. Yeah, that's an eight inch there. Thanks, man. I appreciate you telling me what my setup <laughs> is because I just looked and it was longer. And uh, but I, I took the weights off. I put the weights on. I put one weight on. I tried the back bar, and I come to the conclusion that the eight inch with the two weights up front was was the ticket. And I wanted to take the weights off so bad because my bow, I feel like it got so much heavier with just them two weights on it. But man, at you really don't know the difference. For me, now this is totally me, and I want you to tell me your honest truth, but for me, I didn't know the difference until 45 out. Uh, 40 for me. 40. Mm-hmm. So how did you know? Did you have to play with different stabilizers? Different um, ways, or you just kind of like read and strapped them on there and said, this is it? 
I, I right when I got them, I just threw them on there quick, and then I shot a little bit. I didn't really mess with them because I hadn't made a sight tape yet, and then I was shooting, I think, 85 yards, and out. My, I have a 12-inch front bar, and when you your float side to side out at 75 or 85 yards, you add weight. So I added one ounce, and it tightened up a little bit, and then I added another ounce, and it tightened. It was there's almost no pin float side to side, but then it started to dip. So then I added weight to my back bar so that it, my pin wouldn't dip and it'd stay steady. So I added like I think I started with six ounces because usually if you have one ounce up front you have three ounces on the back bar okay and that i still had a little bit of pin dip so i added another ounce and i still had some and then i had i, I put the eighth weight on there and it was just money so how far are you shooting up to uh just 85 so far i could probably just 85 80, <laughs> i love this kid yards. this is great i love this kid this is this is me at that age except without the technical information let me guess where'd you learn it all YouTube, Wade from Archer Country. Yeah, they're good dudes. I'm yeah. telling you, they're good dudes. I highly recommend them. Um, the YouTube thing, though, is such a big thing that when I was your age, there wasn't it wasn't easy to upload a video on YouTube. You couldn't take it from your phone and, and upload it. It was a big task to put it on the computer, find the right megapixels, all oh, the files too large, you had dial-up internet. I mean, there's things that you didn't even know how to, like, you didn't even experience that, you know? So it's so easy to find that information. And now that you can walk in and subscribe to channels and it, a new video pops up and it alerts you on your phone. So you just did your research on it. Yep. So you like your setup right now? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah? What are you pulling back? Uh, like 68 or 69 pounds. Oh, muscle man. Cool. What are you shooting for us? Uh, uh, five millimeter Easton access. Okay. 27 and a quarter inches cut. Uh, 340 spine, 50 grains of brass up front. Sweet. What, 100 grains? Uh, yeah. 100 grain tip. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are... St- the 125, it seemed like, for me, it didn't fly right, and I couldn't get it to fly right, and... It seems like you can't even hardly find a 125-grain tip anywhere, it seems. So it's like, I think everybody's switching back to the 100-grain because it's, like you say, you can put that brass insert Insert on the end of it. You don't have all that weight floating around in the front. Mm -hmm. You have them kind of more back a little bit. So, well, that's cool, man. What's on the the horizon for this fall, then? Uh, Goose hunting, bow hunting, and rod building. Heck, yeah. The rod building's only when rain days come. Uh, it'll start to pick up more mid-November. <laughs> so you have to sacrifice some days in the tree stand. And yeah. Bummer. Yeah, you got to make it happen. Mm-hmm. got to make it happen. So you got a new bow. You're all set to go. Anything else about your setup? Um, not, not really. Okay. Cool. Cool. So just hunting Minnesota with the bow? Uh, probably Wisconsin and possibly South Dakota. Sure. Depending what, uh, all over the camera yeah. stuff. That's the beauty of the archery. It's like, you know, the elk thing. People are like, oh, you finally got drawn, you know, if somebody doesn't follow it. And it's like, man, no, it's over the counter because it's archery, you know. And people are like, oh, I'd like to use a rifle my first time. And it's like, the the, the thrill of archery for me is. Yeah, you, anyone can get 300 yards away from an elk. To get. For un- the most part, yeah. Yeah, to close 100 yards that's a big task that's a huge task yeah and it's a it's a big thing you know and a lot of people ask me if you're gonna shoot a cow the first day if you get opportunity i say dang right like the the opportunity of 
killing a deer with your bow, the, one of the biggest, coolest kills I've ever had with my bow, uh, I shot an eight pointer. Um, I was up at my cabin by myself and you shot it and you're like, holy buckets, I gotta track this thing by myself. I have to gut this thing by myself. I have to drag it to a near trail where I can come get a four wheeler by myself. And I mean, that was only five years ago. I mean, I killed many deer with my bow and it was just like, it was the coolest experience that I did it all myself. So, yeah, it's, it's a cool thing. So you learn from, you know, dad obviously and whatnot. Yeah, and then I kind of wanted to do some more stuff played with the idea of competition archery but sure. that's all winter long and i don't know i really like my ice fishing so yeah absolutely well cool man anything else about yourself in general i mean no. people gotta check you out on conrad company and uh I'm, I'm glad you're on the show man and i'm glad you finally got you over here and and uh, dad even came with and hung out a little bit so he didn't want to be on the show but he said it was all you yeah yeah so cool man so Folks, if you're if you're just uh, catching the tail end of this, we had Colin Deer on the show, and he is from Annadale, Minnesota, local guy here, and Colin's Rod Co. Go check out his brand of stuff, and I'm really excited to see in the next couple of years and what uh, what's in store for you, man. I, I really wish you hope you keep at it and he keep you trucking and get good reviews and keep perfecting the product, and I can't wait to get my rod. <laughs> yeah, so thanks for coming on the show, buddy. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you bet. Talk to you soon. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to Racks and Reels Minnesota. Re-listen to this episode and find previous shows wherever you find your favorite podcast. Find and follow Racks and Reels Minnesota on all major social media platforms. I'm your host, Mitch Gordon. Now get outside and do something. And don't forget those wet wipes. <laughs>